It's Gary Parish. It's Monday, November 2nd, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and today we're continuing our series of previews of the top seven conferences in college basketball. We've already done the ACC and the Big Ten. Today, we turn our attention to the Big 12, where Baylor is considered the preseason favorite and a consensus top three team in the country. We had a panel of five writers. It's me, Norlander, Jerry Palm, Kyle Boone, and David Cobb that turned in Big 12 ballots a few weeks ago. And we all had Baylor pick first, and we all had Kansas pick second. So, Norlander, Mm -hmm. let's start with Scott Drew's Bears. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that Baylor will meet expectations and actually win a league title for the first time since – Trivia time! When's the last time Baylor won a regular season conference title? It hasn't ever happened. Well, that's not true. <laughs> um, well, I just figured I'd just say it off the top there. Since <laughs> an outright standalone regular season championship? Correct. Well, I don't, I, you're using words like outright. I'm not using outright words like outright. Outright means no one else is tied to top the standings. If you're going to trivia, I, I, hey, I, listen, if you're going to trivia time, and by the way, oh, and by the way, Rutgers backers <laughs> came at us like a tidal wave. You lose. Good day, sir. Okay. Oldest school in the Big Ten. Keep that up. Okay. So you better, listen, you better mm-hmm. come correct if you're coming okay. with the trivia time. Uh, uh, okay. You're, you're just sad. just so we're clear about what happened with the Big Ten trivia time. Mm. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. That you brought up. I didn't bring that up. You brought it up, and we didn't have an answer. We acknowledged we didn't have an answer. Oldest uh, uh, institution in the Big Ten, I said Penn State. I don't know why. You said <laughs> Michigan. That seemed to make some sense. And then when I looked it up while we were doing the podcast, I apparently went to an old Big Ten page that didn't have Rutgers as a Big Ten member. So Rutgers wasn't listed. It looked like Michigan was the oldest. Our apologies to Rutgers and Quincy Doobie. Uh, apologies, I hope, accepted on behalf of the rest. But oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, we were getting uh, mentions like 16 hours later. Like, hey, don't know if anyone let you. Yeah, no. Yes. No, trust me. Everybody. We know. Us. We we know. Rutgers, uh, 1700s. I think it might have even uh, been in the Rutger, Rutger, Here's the one thing I know about Rutgers that I didn't know last week. Rutgers is older than the United States. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Rutgers. actually name-dropped in Hamilton. I think I think they actually, and that was our bad for overseeing that. Completely Rut- missing that. Um, yeah, okay, no, so, okay, here's my point. I'm not saying out, they won outright titles. Okay. I, I could look that up. I'm not doing it. I'm just saying they are credited with winning They've actually won five league titles, Baylor has, in, in men's basketball. When's the last time? I'm going to say 77. 1950 is Boom. the correct answer. 1950. They have not won a league title since 1950. Obviously never won a Big 12 title. Ralph Wolf won one, I know you remember this, back in 1932. And then Bill Henderson got the other four. In 1946, 48, 49, 50, they were all Southwestern Conference, Southwest Conference titles. I'm sad to report, sad to report, we lost Bill back in 1979 at the age of 78. He's a man who took Baylor. Oh, gosh. You have no idea how much I read about Bill Henderson over the weekend. We're trying to do a breezy Big 12 preview, and you're going on a Bill Henderson bio rant. Let the people know. Uh, Bill Henderson led Baylor to two Final Fours. But his career record 
is only 201-233. So here's my question. Is Bill Henderson the only college coach in history with two Final Fours and a winning percentage below 500? Almost got to be. Doesn't he have to be? Listen, I don't know if this is uh, Rutgers, Michigan territory, but I think it might be. Hey, by the way, trivia time. Okay. When's the last time Baylor was the preseason, preseason favorite to win its conference? That has never happened. That is correct. Did you see my tweet from a few days ago? When I yeah, I only know it because you've told me that or tweeted it or something That's at right. some point. Baylor is the preseason favorite. It's never been. Now, granted, back when when uh, big old Hendo was running running things, there wasn't there wasn't a preseason poll. There wasn't right. this kind of media environment. So they probably should have deserved it in the 40s. But, yes, uh, this is the first time in the history of the Big 12, Big 8, that Baylor's ever been the favorite. So to circle all the way back around to your question off the top, what is my confidence? I'm going to say 7.5. Baylor, to okay. me, objectively has the best roster and has the best team heading into the season, but it's never been in this position. Scott Drew and his program have never had the bullseye squarely on their back like this Kansas also received three first place votes um two of them from uh if we know for sure from outside Baylor we know one of them would have obviously been Baylor because Scott Drew can't vote for his own team so two other which coaches. by the way is ridiculous you should be able to vote for your own team well, like, why, uh, can't, why, because why can't get, why can't Mark Few say I think we're going to be the best in the West Coast Conference be, because then you have a situation where you got every team getting their own damn vote because it's like, oh well, no. you didn't vote for your team. It's just, it's just, it's better this way. It is no, okay. no, like, 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 you think Steve Forbes would vote Wake Forest first in the ACC? I think he might actually. He's looking for some attention. He might <laughs> no, actually do not. that. He's looking for a quick little headline there. Um, all right, so the, I do the seven point five because Kansas is really good. West Virginia is good. I mark both those teams as top ten quality in college basketball, and then Texas and Texas Tech. We both think they're top twenty five. Oklahoma is right in that realm, and then Oklahoma State might not be a top twenty five team, but could be NCAA tournament quality. You know, by the way, might actually truly wind up having the best player in college basketball by season's end. You know, I'm not saying Oklahoma State would flirt with Baylor in the standings, but if if OSU, if Kate Cunningham, really does have the best player in college hoops, not just the best freshman, if that happens, you know, that kind of transcendent talent could, they could upset a team and that could impact whether Baylor finishes in the standings or not. So, a lot of, lot of good dudes with Baylor. No doubt about it. Jared Butler comes back. Was expected, but he couldn't return. Macy Oteague as well. Scott Drew is ambitiously scheduling, and I credit him for that. He's not afraid. They're going to play Villanova and Arizona State up in, in my neck of the woods to start the season. He's going to play against Gonzaga and Indianapolis in early December. Scheduled to play against Illinois in the Jimmy V, although that hasn't been announced yet. So I love that Scott Drew has a great team. And he's not running from it. He is embracing. He wants the hardest schedule possible. If you told Scott Drew he could play 50 games this season, he would play 50 games. So Baylor is the preseason favorite. It should be. But I actually do think this is going to be a pretty tight race atop the league. Listen, Baylor is undeniably good. They went 26-4 and four last season, finished third at Kempom. They were going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Top three scores from that team are back. Seven of the top nine back. My only question about Baylor, and it's not a question about will Baylor be really good. Like, there's no reason to think Baylor will not be really, really good. Except for injuries, of course. Or, you know, COVID issues. My only... Who's the NBA player on the team? Do they have one? I think Jared Butler will make a roster. Maybe, maybe. I Jared Butler, yeah. Mitchell might. Mitch, I could maybe. But, like, that's for a team that is a power conference favorite and a consensus top three team in the country and some people's preseason number one, um, it's rare that there's not an obvious NBA player on the roster. And that would be the one thing that stands out to me about Baylor is that there's not an obvious NBA player on the roster. But guess what? 
there wasn't an obvious NBA player on the roster last season. Like I just said, they finished 26 and four, third at Kempom. They were going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Might not be an issue, but it is, we can acknowledge, unusual. It is unusual. Jared Butler, by the way, is our preseason player of the year as a collective at CBS Sports. I voted for Cunningham uh, just because I think he's going to be uh, dominant enough where I think he'll, he'll, that was my pick anyway. But the, Butler being that player, no issue with that whatsoever. And Scott Drew is, of course, the preseason coach of the year um, in the league there. We both, so you said we agree, Baylor than Kansas. And are we split on our third team then? Um, I got West we, Virginia. We both have Baylor and Kansas at the top. We're and the then I've got West Virginia. You've got West Virginia. So we are, we are, in agreement through the top three. And let's focus on the Jayhawks for a second. Um, Quick history lesson for those of you who don't follow college basketball at all. The Jayhawks won at least a share of 14 straight league titles from 2005 to 2018. Now they might not win a share. If this goes the way it's supposed to go, with Baylor winning a league title, uh, the Jayhawks could maybe not win a share for what would be the second time in a three-year span. They lose Devon Dodson. They lose Yudoka Azabuki. They lose Isaiah Moss. They lose three of the top five scores from that team. They enroll Bryce Thompson, who is a five-star prospect, but like not a top 10 guy. He's ranked 21st in the class of 2020, according to 24-7 Sports. Like I'm always going to have Kansas under Bill Self ranked high, but there are some question marks connected to this roster, um, at least in my mind. For sure. Now, I did. I have now settled as we record this podcast. I won't spoil the where the teams place on my one to three fifty seven. But I have finalized where every team is, and Kansas is just going to be in my top ten because I, I think it's a it's a fair default position with this program, and I still think there's enough there. Bryce Thompson will be interesting. His analog to me, coming into college, not what I think he will be in college. His analog in terms of how he was regarded as a recruit how effective he was, how good of a shooter, is actually Trey Young. It would be intriguing to see if he is able to be an offensive savant right away the way Young was for Oklahoma. Um, he's not necessarily going to be option number one there. Um, you know, Ochai Abaji will, you know, he'll be a very important player. David McCormick is going to have to step up and be much, much much better as a big this season. But Marcus Garrett's the key guy. He's the defensive player of the year, the reigning one. Uh, we voted for that CBS Sports in March. And Bill Self said he's the best defensive player he's ever had. And, oh, by the way, Yudoka Asabuki was the second best. So uh, Kansas really might have had the two best defensive players in college basketball last season. Although I will give you a shout to Mark Vidal at Baylor because he is a he is unequivocally a top 10 defender in college basketball. But Garrett's the best. He returns. He's now going to he's going to be asked to play more point guard. And how successful he is on offense, I think, will really be um, the barometer for Kansas's ceiling overall. Uh, but with him and Bryce Thompson, how they play off each other, I'll be interested to see that. Silvio DeSosa, by the way, is off this roster. He is not returning to the Jayhawks. So that is certainly something to note there. I do like Kansas ever so slightly more than West Virginia. I actually don't think the margins are that big overall. Uh, West Virginia returns Derek Culver, but more importantly, Oscar Shibway, who I think is going to have, like he was really good last season, so I wouldn't define him, Parrish, as a breakout candidate. But I think on a national level, I can see us getting 10, 12, 14 games into the season if I was relatively regular and saying, like, holy crap, like Oscar Sheboy looks like a top three player in the Big 12. I think that's on the table. You combine him with Deuce McBride in the backcourt, and that's why I think the difference between them is not so grand. Uh, 
as I'm out here questioning Kansas's roster, understand I have them seventh in the preseason top 25 and one. So I think they're going to be good. It's just that I don't know. You know, they they lose their top two and they don't bring in like three McDonald's All-Americans to replace that like a, a Duke sometimes does or a Kentucky sometimes does. It's Bill Self, Kansas. I, again, I'm assuming they're going to be really, really good. But the roster. Yeah, how about this? You're going to you're going to be asking multiple players on that roster to play at a level at which they've never played for you to actually live up to being a top 10 team. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. Right. And like uh, clearly, I think they'll do it. But you you are asking for people to take on bigger roles and do things that they haven't done. One more quick thing before uh, if you wanted to talk on WVU and then uh, the Texas teams. Just to note this, uh, and this will probably be something we talk about frequently as the season drifts on. Uh, you know, after the season, it's, it's anticipated that Kansas will get hit by the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And could we be looking at a Kansas roster uh, a year from now that's even worse, that isn't, uh, you know, is projected not to make the postseason? Again, they're going to be dealing uh, with the IARP. And so that if, if, they, if that governing body says you can't go to the postseason, there's no appealing it. They're done if they say one or two seasons. So just, just so we know, when we talk about, like, will Baylor win the league? Like, Kansas, we don't know what's coming. But if they don't win the league this year, like, this could be a weird three, four year dormancy of, of KU not finishing atop the league standings after, as you said, they went their 14 straight years. Except so far, whether it's LSU, Arizona, Oklahoma State, USC, Kansas, Auburn, there's no evidence that any of this scandal stuff hurts you when it comes to recruit Memphis, you know. Memphis I feel is, like Kansas I, hasn't been as dominant on the trail, I, but I know what you're saying. I just, I, I, I feel like it's starting to slow up a little bit. Not as much as it is in other places, for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still Kansas. But if you're Kansas and you're trying to compete with Kentucky, you know, the, the top of the sport, Duke, you know, Texas Tech is actually becoming more of a, of a recruiting threat. They're, they're bringing in reliably now annually uh, someone that can project as a one-and-done player, or at least be cultivated into that in, in Chris Beard's system. But I hear what you're saying. They're not. They haven't dropped off by entirely, but I feel like it might have slowed just a little. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, and listen, I'm not saying that it's not harder to recruit with an NCAA and possible postseason ban hanging over your program. Roy Williams had to do it for multiple years, and it showed up in the recruiting rankings at North Carolina. I've just personally been surprised that – yeah, LSU is still enrolling five stars. Auburn's still enrolling five stars. Um, you know, Memphis enrolled a five-star late and reclassified to Moose C. Say, uh, USC's got Evan Mobley. Oklahoma State's got Kate Cunningham. It just it, there's a lot of examples that that suggest it's not mattering as much as you might think it, it's mattering. So we'll see what it does to Kansas going forward. Uh, like we said, uh, we both have Baylor one. We both have Kansas two. We both have West Virginia three. You touched on them. We both have Texas Tech fourth. We both have Texas fifth. So let's stop here for a second. Um, recently, no surprise, but still it became official. Mac McClung got eligible at Texas Tech transfer waiver after coming from Georgetown. Does that move the needle for you at all? Like, do you? Because for me, I did have Texas Tech below Texas, and then when you add McClung to it, I moved them. I believe three spots, which moved them ahead of Texas. So I still think they're very, very close. Reasonable people could disagree, but it didn't move the needle for me just a little bit. Does it move the needle for you at all? It actually doesn't. Uh, McClung will be a good player. I don't. I don't think that he is going to be like a top ten player in the Big Twelve. May, might not be a top fifteen player in the Big Twelve this season. Getting him, I guess, makes Texas Tech more well-rounded, more must-watch for sure. I'll be interested to see if Beard really lets, 
really lets McClung go. And uh, because he's a white boy with hops, he, he has obviously become, you know, must, he's just the best white dude dunker in college basketball. And so that then in, in and of itself will, will attract attention there. But I, I, I still, you know, I had Texas Tech fourth before this, and they're still going to remain there. I, I didn't move them up in my overall rankings at all with the McClung eligibility. They kind just kind of kept them where they were at there. And what can we say? Chris Beard, again, looks to have a team that is going to um, be very good. I will note last season that Texas Tech was actually bumpy, so they're not coming off a particularly strong season. They would have made the tournament, but they were 18-13, and and they were not as dynamic on offense as I think uh, Beard was hoping they would be. Still a really, really good defensive team, and they will be again. Kyler Edwards is the name to know. He is Texas Tech's best player in my estimation, although they have a solid roster. Um... What's interesting, and we can go back and forth real quick if you want on both these teams, but I think the reason why we have Texas Tech ahead of Texas right now is just straight up uh, coaching and recent precedent. Because right now, Shaka Smart, I think undeniably has a more talented roster and few few power conference teams in, in the sport bring back more of their roster than Texas. So they deserve to be a preseason top 25 team. But Texas ranked 61st at Ken Palm last season and went 19 and 12. So sometimes I've two minds on this parish. We're like, you had these dudes last season, and you were really you stumbled down the stretch. Granted, they bring in Greg Brown, who I think is going to be, Greg Brown will be a top five must watch player. But otherwise, if you just put you know generic coach A and generic coach B with these rosters, I think Texas would be ahead. But I think it's only fair given what Beard's done that the Red Raiders are ahead of the Longhorns. You say Texas stumbled they went five and one in their last six games they were actually playing bad that's at least what i base my perception of texas on is like you're bringing you're bringing these guys back from a team that was playing well now if you want to call it a small sample size that's fair it was six games but they did go five and one in their final six were getting themselves close to the ncaa tournament bubble you bring that back you add five-star big greg brown um I do think it's important if another one of the reason than perception reasons for Shaka to really break through with this team. Um, but uh, you know, the idea that he's, if you want to say it's been disappointing, I'm sure even Shaka would say he's expected to have accomplished more at, at Texas so far. I mean, this is his sixth season coming up uh, Two NCAA tournament appearances, zero NCAA tournament wins. And so I'm sure even Shaka would say, yes, I thought going into um, year six that I would have at least won an NCAA tournament game by now at Texas. But he did lose his leading score midseason twice, two times in his first five seasons. That doesn't get talked about much, but it is true. Mm -hmm. And so it's not an excuse as much as it's an explanation. And if this is coming off like I'm still a believer in Chaka Smart, it's because I am still a believer in Chaka Smart. I have them 19th Texas in the top 25 and one. I think this will be a breakout season, but undeniably it hasn't gone as well as I or Chaka or I'm sure most would have thought. And then let's just be honest, uh, Rick Barnes doing so well at Tennessee over the past few years probably hasn't helped anything either. 
You're right. And I do think that Texas, to a certain extent, is being undervalued heading into the season. In fact, I checked this uh, yesterday before we, we started chatting on this. Because um, I, when I build out the one to the 357, I, 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 I try not to look at, uh, at, at Torvik. Ken Palm's never available, but Torvik actually has off-season projections, and I don't like any of that to, to influence, so I stay away from it. But I brought it up after I finished. Dude, Torvik ranks Texas as the number one team in college basketball heading into the season. Texas one, West Virginia two, Baylor five, Texas Tech six, and then he's got Kansas down at 12. I was just stunned. I was like, and a lot of that's because I think of how they finished, what they bring back, and then Greg Brown's inclusion. So I only bring that up to say that if we look up by Christmas and Texas is flat awesome, we should not be stunned. I, I'm... I was a little hesitant to put him behind TTU, but again, like Beard has has been really, really solid. Well, we're just waiting for a bit more with Shaka, but just keep that keep that in mind. Like that's, I was stunned by that ranking, and it might you know, Texas is the best team in college basketball. Would it be a hell of a storyline? But they do set up as a super talented, very loaded, and again, they will. I promise you, they will be must watch in a very competitive Big Twelve. So what's interesting about the Big Twelve is that for the most part there seems to be a clear divide straight in the middle of the league. Like we've got five teams that are preseason top 25 and one teams, Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Texas. And then we've got five that aren't. Those are Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, TCU, Iowa State, Kansas State. Is it clear to you that that's the breaking point right in the middle between five and six? No, I think it's between seven and six eight. And s- I think it's really? seven and eight. Yeah, I think my peers. Here's a bold prediction. So I think Oklahoma State will successfully appeal itself to be eligible for the 2021 NCAA tournament, and it will barely make it in. And I think Oklahoma will also make it in. And then I think there will be a drop-off with the final three being TCU, Iowa State, Kansas State in that order. For the record, Parrish and I have that exactly the same. We've got TCU finishing eighth, Iowa State finishing ninth, and then Kansas State, which to me, Kansas State by far has the worst roster in the Big 12, finishing 10th there. I do hear you. Those five... Throw out the Oklahoma schools and maybe a, uh, a line of delineation. But I think when we get into the season and we talk about what teams are relevant, I would include, because I do think the Sooners and the Cowboys are going to be in the NCAA tournament picture. And so that's just, uh, you know, I might be splitting hairs, GP, but I wanted to clarify that. Let me ask you about Oklahoma State and its appeal, because you've mentioned this a couple of times on recent podcasts that you not only, um, you know, are, do you acknowledge that they're appealing, but like you think that they will appeal successfully. And, and if, if, if able to submit a body of work worthy of NCAA tournament inclusion, you believe that they will be in the NCAA tournament. I do. Why? Why? Cause I think, and, of, I'm not, and I'm not arguing I, with you. I'm just hey, listen. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's fine. I, yeah. cause, um, are you asking more about their, their talent or the, or the timeline? No, no, no. I don't have any doubt that if um, they're eligible for the NCAA tournament, they're going to have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. I'm interested in, cause these appeals don't, aren't usually successful. Why are you not certain, but, um, um, optimistic that this one will be successful because it's not. It's going to be. It's not going to be about the yes or no. It's going to be about how long it takes. Um, I've talked with multiple sources around the NCAA and around different schools, and undeniably, the, every single process with all of these schools that, that's connected to the federal investigation, it's taken way longer. And the NCAA has had to furlough people tied to the enforcement group, tied to the Committee on Infractions. They've had to stall more and more. And initially, 
when this came down, someone from the NCAA sent me the typical timeline that it takes for a school to appeal a decision, how long the appeal takes, and then like the final judgment day. Here it is. And that initial timeline was like right like late February, early March. Gotta believe that uh, there have been even more delays to give Oklahoma State valid reason to believe that they will not get the yes or no decision on their appeal until after the season ends. That's just my reading on it. I haven't been told that. I'm just picking up what others have been laying down for me occasionally. And so since Oklahoma State was earlier than the other ones, I, I do think they've got a chance there. That's just my reading on it. Listen, um, I, I, I struggle with this on one hand. You know, you know, Mike Boynton didn't have anything to do with what happened at Oklahoma State, and neither did Kate Cunningham. And I'd, I'd, li- I'd hate that Kate Cunningham, you know, would would possibly be banned from playing in the only NCAA tournament he'll almost certainly ever want to play in, which is the 2021 one, because he'll want to be, I would assume, in the 2021 NBA draft. So on one hand, I, I, I root for this to happen. On the other hand, there is a, 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 a. a long history of people screaming that when there is wrongdoing that happens on a campus that, you know, programs need schools need to be held responsible. And so if that's what you want, you know, it's hard to say that what the NCAA did to Oklahoma state was excessive because you've been screaming, be excessive. And so I could argue this both ways, but on a, on a very basic, like what, what interests me most level, I'd like to see Kay Cunningham play in the NCAA tournament. If he could, he's an incredible special talent. Um, he stayed true to his commitment to Oklahoma State when, and I thought this was uh, really a stand-up thing for Mike to do, when Mike was uh, going to allow him to leave. Like, if you want to go somewhere else, we'll, not only will we allow you, we'll help you. What do you want from me? Um, I, I thought not every coach in college basketball would have handled that situation the way Mike Boynton did. I thought that was really impressive, and and that, that Cade then just rededicated himself to Oklahoma State. Um if I'm being honest, I'm not sure it's the thing that I would have done or I would have advised my son to do, but he's there. And if there's a way, uh, yeah, I'll just put it this way. If he ends up playing in the 2021 NCAA tournament, either because Oklahoma State wins an appeal or the appeal drifts right. too deep into the calendar in 2021. So, hey, go ahead and play in this one. Um, like, I will not be the guy that writes the column that says, that says there's something wrong with the system. I'll just sit back and enjoy it. Uh, yeah, that'll be just something to track and follow uh, coming up. Real quick, though, um, Caleb Boone, uh, sophomore big, I think will be big for Oklahoma State. And then Isaac Likely was a really fun player. He needs to shoot better, but if he grows, then I, I think he will. That's why I've got Oklahoma State there. And then Oklahoma, um, I put them about even, both these, both the Oklahoma schools. Uh, Austin Reeves and Brady Manick, both top 100 players. I think Brady's a little bit better. Austin Reeves actually made the first team, Big 12, per the coaches. Um I think the staff thinks Brady's a little bit better. I didn't get that. I didn't get that directly from the staff. So if if a family member of Austin well, Reeves is listening, I, I promise you, I, I just I, I, picking up on conversations with some other coaches. I feel like they, they probably get a little bit more out of Brady. He's a better shooter, um, just a little bit. But that's a couple of senior dudes in Oklahoma. You know, Kruger has really built something consistent there. They would have made the tournament last season. They made it the year before that. They made it the year before that. They made it four years before that. They've, he's only missed it twice since he got there in 2011-2012. And so I just don't have much reason to believe they won't be top 40-ish quality again, given everything they returned from last season. Yeah, and Kansas State is picked last in the Big 12. If that happens, they will finish last in the Big 12 two consecutive years. And, like, listen, that's a that's a proud fan base. I know they get frustrated with that. My buddy Brent Stover, who works with me at CBS Sports Network, is a proud Kansas State alum. He was a cross-country runner 
at, at Kansas State. He was a competitive jogger in the Big 12. And so um, I know it breaks his heart to see the Wildcats down at the bottom of the standings. And I'm sure there will be some KSU fans screaming for a possible coaching change. But don't forget that in the three years prior to last season, it was NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament, sharing a Big 12 title and snapping Kansas's streak and also going to the Elite Eight in 2018. Does that buy, where do you stand on that? Like, does that, the, the three years before this bad two year period was really good. Does that buy you time or is it simply from a, because I know there's a Kansas State fan saying, I don't care what happened in 17, 18, 19, 20 sucked, 21 looks like it's going to suck. And why am I to be excited about what's to come after that? Yeah, you touched on something I allude to in my Kansas State capsule um, in, for the master rankings. Bruce Weber's 161 and 110 in eight seasons. That is a better record than almost everyone thought he was going to have when he took that it's job. What, Even, it's, way, it's way better than correct. what Bill Way Henderson better is the better way to put it. Yes. Way are. better than what Bill Henderson did at Baylor was the point I was I mean, making. Bruce Weber puts Bill Henderson to shame. Like, it's actually... It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's not even... You can't even Why don't people them, really? talk about this every year? Whatever. <sighs> We're going to start this. Um, but even, even Bruce has had a couple of seasons where K-State wasn't projected as like a top six team, and then they went on to overachieve. I'm just not seeing it this season. So he should, like, Bruce Weber's not on the hot seat going into this. If they're bad this year and then they're bad again, then we can talk. But he's more than earned a year to suck. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Bill Henderson. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you for listening once again in the middle of the worst pandemic of my life. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell one person about it. And if you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. You do that, and we will be back tomorrow previewing the Pac-12.